Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. This is The Mixed Experience. It's the only live weekly show about being racially and culturally mixed, or part of being mixed. And really, it's just a show about a mixed chick's thoughts about a mixed-up world. Say that five times really fast. It's hard. I'm your host and resident mixed chick, Heidi DeRoe, and today I have a really great guest. Yes, another really great guest. Uh, But first, I want to make a couple of announcements. So I have this passion project I know you've heard of. It's called the Mixed Remixed Festival. It's an amazing, amazing thing. It's a 501c3 nonprofit arts organization that's all volunteer run. That means all of us give all of our time. Well, I give all of my time for free, uh, but so do the wonderful people who are on the team, Jenny and Tiana and Lance and now Aaron and a bunch of other, and Ramey and a bunch of other people who come in in various capacities during the year and also during the festival days. Well, this is the only festival. It's a film, book, and performance festival. It's the only festival in the country, in the world, that celebrates stories of the mixed experience. So that's mixed people, mixed families, interracial couples, families of transracial adoption. If you're mixing, you're in the mix, and you should be at this festival www.mixremix.org to learn about it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already part of the experience, and I hope you'll support it. We're running our annual crowdfunder campaign right now. We're trying to raise $10,000. We're $4,960 away. We've got 22 days to raise that money. That's all the money we have to do this festival. It's two days of film screenings, workshops, book readings, performance entirely for free. And guess what? This year, Tay Diggs will be at the festival to accept a Storyteller's Prize. I'm so excited. And you get it all for free. Oh, did I mention there's a wine and cheese reception and there's a wine and dessert reception? And it's all for free, but somehow we have to pay for it. And that's where you come in. Give us a dollar. Give us $5. Just let us know that it's important to you. Um, If you don't, Well, the truth is, we're still going to have the festival this year. You could still come and meet Tay Diggs. You can, you know, have a great time. You can have your life changed and not give anything and have a really free, amazing event. But we don't know if we can do it next year. It's just $10,000 we need to raise, and we need you to be a part of it. So please go to www.mixremix.org. Click the donate page and then click through to the donate uh, over on the Indiegogo campaign. We need your support in any amount. <sighs> okay. And we're, we're going to announce the schedule very soon. We're in the process of starting to contact all of our presenters. It's a crazy good schedule. You want to be there. So uh, apologies. Uh, I've gone on too long because I really want to be able to 
talk to our guest today who has started this really fantastic new organization. And then after we speak with her, yes, it's a double episode, I'll be talking with Tiffany Jones of The Mulatto Diaries. I know you guys love her. She's coming on the show, and we're going to talk about the Nina Simone controversy because it's um, it's complicated. Rather, there are nuances that I'm not able to understand yet, and I need to have a conversation with my dear friend to to figure out what are the right questions and and where do I really stand on all of this. In the meantime, I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Sarah Savidakis. I think I said it right. Uh, she was born in 1960, and she was sent to the U.S. for adoption in January 1970. She grew up in Connecticut and attended the Vermont College Nursing School, receiving her bachelor's in nursing. After college, Sarah worked as an executive assistant to a senior partner in a law firm and has worked in various capacities in Connecticut in executive positions. When she moved to Florida, she worked for Ruth Eckerd Hall as an assistant development officer and has also worked at the Fortis College of Nursing as the faculty and student compliance administrator. Today, she lives in Florida with her husband of 20, 27 years. That's so awesome. Yay. And her two children. She's active in the um, KED community. I should have figured out what that was before. The American Cancer Society and her church. And through DNA, she has found her biological father's people and has found herself with new half-siblings and many extended family members. She continues to search for her mother's side. I read about Sarah because she was featured in an NBC story about uh, mixed-race Korean adoptees using DNA to search for their roots. Uh, Sarah is the president of a really fantastic organization that started in the fall called Cam- 325 Camera. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization that was launched in November, and its mission is to connect adoptees with their biological Korean relatives. I'm super excited to welcome Sarah to the show today. Welcome, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you, and ha- thank you for having me today. I'm so glad. Well, so I, I gave you a little heads up, but I just still have to ask you the the traditional first question, which is, what are you? Well, I'm a mother and a wife foremost, and then hopefully um, somebody who's trying to make a difference in this world. Oh, my gosh. I love that answer. That's the perfect answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Tell me there's no perfect answer. <laughs> there, I know. I told you there's no perfect. I think there are many perfect answers, though. You know, like mm. when we talked before off off record, you know, offline, I said there was no perfect answer, but I think every answer that is honest and true and complicated even is the perfect answer. So I really love that you put it that way because I'm kind of searching for that moment myself, like making sure I'm creating meaning and difference in the world, positive difference. (laughs) Uh, And hopefully we are doing that with our organization. We're hoping that it might not be myself or the other mem- other um, founding members, but maybe the younger generation will be better off for what we have started, that maybe we can reconnect them with their biological mother or family that I myself probably won't have that pleasure of. Well, I, I was really excited to learn about this organization, 325 Camera, 
a nonprofit organization. Can you tell me a little bit about the origins of the organization and why you thought it was important to be a part of and start? Okay. Well, we uh, all attended a conference in San Francisco. And through that, a lot of the uh, members, some of the friends that we have, found their biological uh, fathers, who are American, through DNA. And, and were the, these the all Korean adoptees that were gathering for a conference? Yes, it was a, for a camp town uh, mm-hmm. in Korea, uh, the life, and so it was all of all. It was between mixed race and full Korean, which is CAD, the Korean adoptee. And so there was a mix mix of us gathering in San Francisco to learn about what was the life like for our parent, our mothers, back then during the Korean War and then a post Korean War and 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 about uh, us as children, how we were treated. So when some of us were talking with others, we found out that they, through DNA testing, they were able to f- do a family tree and be pinpoint and find their biological fathers and sometimes half-siblings. And so we said, yeah, well, if you work in the United States, why not in Korea? <laughs> I mean, but the only thing yeah. difference is Korean does not have um, the the vast um, information of uh, DNA collection of the Korean mothers or anybody. I mean, it's basically one-on-one base. They don't keep a data, a cumulative data of everyone that who's ever tested. So we figured, well, why can't we do it? Go to Korea collect the DNA, and then bring it back and upload it to uh, American-based data so that everybody can share. But This is such a radical, wonderful idea because obviously, you know, the American database doesn't carry that information of those those women, mostly women, right, in, in Korea. So... Um, right. How do you how do you make this happen? And had you started on that DNA test journey on your own? I I did I did I did a um, DNA with twenty three and me and found some results. And of course, I was so excited because I had some Korean relatives that showed up, and there were other adoptees. But then I really took a look at it and I said, Oh my! We're, you know, related in Neanderthal age. So if I'm really excited about that, what is it if I'm really able to find my first cousin, my sister or brother, or even my father or somebody? So oh. I did, I did an, um, and I know in the United States, a lot of people do Ancestry.com because it's a family tree, and the, a lot of the Americans use that to figure out where their ancestor came from. And so they themselves do uh, DNA testing to find out whether Scott is the origin of their family. And so from there, when I did the DNA test, I found a first cousin once removed, and she had done a DNA test to find the origin, but it came to find out that she had a grandfather who also had a child out of wedlock and he um 
And so that was one of the reasons why they did some testing and doing family tree. And I asked if we can mirror her family tree to figure out what my ancestry is. So what, what did, did you mirror? find out about your family or about your mother? I didn't find anything about my mother. That was the whole thing. Just my father on the American side. So my whole thing is, well, if I found my father through DNA, then why can't I find my mother through DNA in Korea? So we decided, because there is no, there is nothing. I mean, I found that I went to the school that I went to, pulled out records. I went to the city hall and pulled my birth certificate. And basically anything that I had in my adoption file was a lie. Wow. That, that And the only way, there's no paper trail, nothing. And the only way I am going to find anything is if by chance a relative or my mother herself will submit to a DNA testing. And then by so, chance, if she does, and then we get, uh, and then we are connected through that way, then I'll be able to find my mo- mother, but not through paper trail or anything like that. It's a, just a lost cause because if you have no information, you have nowhere to go. I've done everything that I could. I've gone to the police station and made a report. I've gone to the the address that she had put down in my case study um, and my adoption paper. I've gone to the city hall. I mean, I've done everything. And then the school that I went to, and they even pulled, they found my file. They pulled it out, and they even gave me the address that my mother had written. But it was all a lie. How interesting. And so what is the process? And how does it work? I mean, how do you recruit the people to do the DNA? Very honestly, I would imagine it might be scary for a lot of the families and the women and the mothers who ended up giving up their children to to go into that database and, and say, you know, I I gave up my child or or I don't know. Tell me a little bit about the psychology behind getting people to get involved it's all voluntary there's there's no force behind it we visit the senior citizens uh, center in korea Um, i did go on a fact-finding mission back in december and we went to some of the senior centers that the uh, harmonies go to our elderly ladies go to and we talked to a few of the people there and here here it is word of mouth a 95-year-old woman walked to that center because she knew the two girls who were adopted from America was going to be there. And wow. she wanted to know if one of us could possibly be her daughter. And when oh she came goodness. and we looked at her and she looked at us and we said, yes. And she goes, no. And we're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> was black and then uh, bing 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 the light bulbs went off in our heads and Kathy Adams who was with me on that trip said oh my god we know a lot of um, mixed um, Korean you know and and, and we're thinking oh my god it could be this person it could be this person and we kept saying oh and so we said to her we have a DNA kit would you like to do this and she goes yes she said my dream is to find my daughter before I die. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine how hard that was for us to hear? Oh, I, you're <laughs> making my heart break right now. 
so I has there been a stigma for these women who ended up giving up their children for adoption? What it, well, how are you able to help them bridge this? Because you, you're very emotional right now. I'm very emotional hearing that story as well. What kind of support can, can you give to help them through those moments? Well, you know, we're as loving and understanding as possible, and we try to explain to them that most of us do not hold any grudge against them because that's what they're afraid of. And not only that, they're very embarrassed in the condition of their life because, yes, the Korean society is not acceptable of these women. Um, they're pretty much, I call it a throwaway, throwaway. They're, they, they're not accepted by their families. Their government don't help them. So basically, they're ostracized by the society, Korean society. And they also f- feel very ashamed that they gave, gave their children away. And they do not want, one of the things was is that they, they're ashamed that their children will find them in the condition they're living in. And they're embarrassed about it. And we told them, and we said, we stressed to them that we don't care. Basically, we just don't care. We want to know our mothers, and and there is no judgment on us. Most of us have an open heart. We just want to know who you are. But we also said that it's all private because even if you submit to DNA, you can just give us a picture of you. So and your medical history, so that child can know what you look like and what he or she might look after is, I mean, I look at a picture of my bio father and I go, oh, my God, that's where I got my nose from. (laughs) But but the most important thing is, too, that, yes, they also have their rights, their human rights, and so does the adoptees, and that's really a fine line that whose right is more important than the other. And this is why we try to, it's a voluntary thing, and we tell them, try to tell them that, Whatever you tell us is in confidential, it is strictly confidential, and no information release will not be released unless you give us permission to, and they sign a release. Now, there is, there is time urgency in all of this because these women are getting up in age at this point. Um, do you have upcoming trips going on, and, and what's happening with the organization to make sure that your generation – is able to yeah. actually possibly find some closure and to find some of their, their moms. Well, I want to stress that this is not just for mixed race. This is for everybody. It's for all yes. Korean adoptees. It doesn't matter whether you're a hapa or you're a full cat. It is all for everybody who has ever been adopted from Korea to overseas. Um, what we want to make sure is that, yes, so a lot of us are on a very time constraint, like myself, I know that I probably won't find my mother alive if I'm able to find her, but I'm thinking that the younger generation has a better chance of finding their biological mother or family. Now, we have a trip planned in April. I will be in Korea from the the 7th through the 27th of April for a whole month, and we are going to these different centers, and we have uh, graciously... uh, received and a generous donation from Thomas Clement who has donated the, the kits 
DNA kits. And so we will be taking 250 kits to test um, these harmonies. And then if they don't all come forward, we will be leaving some of the kits at Karut who um, will be willing to test anybody who comes forward that meets the criteria. Um, and the and this is all information can be found in our website, which is 325camera.org. And in, in order for this organization to survive, we also need support. Yes, because I understand. <laughs> we are a nonprofit. Up to date, we've had few generous donors, but most of it has been coming out of our own pockets. Yes. And I know you are. I know that you understand about the nonprofit since you yourself have a quite a few <laughs> nonprofits. And you know how. And right now, I am paying my own way. So is Cassie. Uh, who has gone there previously, and Catherine, um, Kim, who is going on this trip with me in April, is paying her own way. So we we can't continue to pay our own way through a lot of this because we're hoping someday we'll be able to send volunteers and the organization will be able to pick up their airfare and their ground expenses. Well, um, it's such a worthy cause. I mean, if, if what people want to donate... Uh, in some way, can they just go to the website, 325camera.org, and there's a donate there is a, link? Yes, there's a tab for donating. Or you can become a member. This is what I want to stress. Whatever we do find, it is coded so that the um, the mothers who have given us their DNA is strictly confidential. It is not out there in the cyberspace because it is clearly coded to uh, back to us then they either have to be a current member to get access to that information or you have a one-time fee of $300. So I'm urging anybody who is looking for their mother or relatives or anybody, do come and become a member because let's keep, I mean, it might not be just me, but let's keep this thing going because it's to everybody's benefit who is looking for someone. And there and, are generations after yours also that are looking for them. I, I don't know. I'm assuming you know this film called Twinsters, uh, directed yeah. by Samantha Futterman. Uh, okay. I, I can just imagine it would be a wonderful collaboration if you could get her and her team to follow you to Korea and, and figure out what's going on there. That would be that would be super amazing. I don't know if you can make that happen. Uh, that would at some be point. wonderful. We, I mean, like I said, the more um, media attention that we can get, maybe the more um, the harmonies in Korea and the family would be aware of it. We are trying to do a media blitz. Um, we are right now. We have a GoFundMe campaign going on. Um, to raise money for advertising and to letting people know that we are there. So. I mean, we're just asking, even if you can't become a member, but donate a $5, a latte, one day. Just yes, give up exactly, a, a latte. It's such a worthwhile cause, Sarah, yeah. to be able to have people uh, reconnect with a, a past that's been denied them. And uh, I'm really glad that we were able to talk today and we could share this information with the listeners of this podcast, and I'll continue to spread the, spread the word on social media as well. 
Um, Sarah, thank you so much. Well, thank uh, you. I, I, I'm so um, impressed by the work that you're doing, and it's, it is very meaningful. And I hope you'll come back again on the show after your trip and maybe give I us will. an update on how it went. But I just remember, it's not just me. There is a team of us, of Kathy, Catherine, Tammy, and Bella and I, and then our board member, Angela and uh, Estelle. So we're all, I don't see the first name, but they all know who they are. So I'm just saying it's a team effort and it's a a community effort. In order for us to be successful, the community has to come on board. That's true. And also it's a medical necessity for a lot of us because you need to know your medical history, not just for yourself, but for your children or their children. Yeah. Well, I'm so impressed with what your team is doing, and uh, I can't wait to hear how it all goes. I I wish you safe travels and many uh, happy reunions. Well, thank you very much, Heidi, and I'm looking forward to um, give you updates on what we're up to. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Sarah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I'm super excited we got to talk with her. I think I need to put a link up also to the NBC story that I read that brought uh, Sarah and her organization and the team to my attention. The really touching pictures, and it's obviously a very touching story. It always gets me when people uh, tell me a story like she mentioned about the 90-year-old woman looking for her daughter's um, Okay, I better not think about that because it might make me cry. Uh, so let me turn to the second part of the show today. I don't usually do a second part, but this is so timely. And I had so many questions about this issue that I had to have someone to talk with about it because I don't have answers. I have a lot of confusion. And I feel like this whole Nina Simone biopic controversy is uh, its really so nuanced that I didn't know how to write about it, but how can a self-professed light-skinned girl not talk about this issue, especially when it's the 10th anniversary of my light-skinned girl blog on Wednesday, but I, I didn't know how to write about it, so I thought I need to get like my dear friend on, who you guys all know as Tiffany Jones of the Mulatto Diaries, but I just know as my friend down the street who probably is hearing the same sirens I'm hearing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Tiffany, thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so great. Just, by the way, I'm just going to, like, give you the shout-out right now. The interview of you on The Mixed Experience is still the most downloaded show, not just of all of the shows, but every week. It's, like... What, the show I record gets, you know, as many downloads as it gets, but then your show gets, like, half of that as well every week. Like, how are people still finding you? I don't know. Honestly, love like, you, I love that, though. Thank you, people who like to listen to me talk about things. <laughs> okay, so, well, so I, I'm calling you Tiffany Jones of Mulatto Diaries fame. Should I say that you're doing something else? No. Okay. Like my my real life? <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, you're not going to reinstitute it, restart it, like get us all going again. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Maybe I was hoping. I was so excited, not only because 
yes, this issue is such a hot mess, um, but uh, that maybe this will, you know, give me a little inspiration to get back at it because so many things have changed in my life, and that just keeps going. Um, I don't. I'm then, not even allowed to other all of the things. I I want to know. Like I want to know the real underbelly story. So we got to have drinks, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that we have to do. Well, I'll meet you around the corner. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Uh, what do we do with this horrible, awful oh. story? Like Nina I... Simone. She's a dark-skinned black woman who inhabited the like the stigma of being a dark. African-American woman and talked about being a dark-skinned African-American woman and was discriminated against because she was a dark-skinned African-American woman in entertainment, okay? So why in the world did anyone in the beginning say Zoe Saldana should play this role? What happened? Well, I, I I don't know. Well, first of all, I mean, why, regardless of looks, why was Zoe Saldana, like, so high at the top of a list of, like, great black actresses? I mean, and I don't mean to throw shade on her. Like, I really enjoyed the film, uh, Guess Who, was it, with um, Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac, and Avatar is very interesting, but um, I I don't know. I, I'm so... Befuddled, is that a word? Uh, by this Befuddled, whole yes. situation, the whole thing, from exactly where you start at whose idea in the room for casting was it to give her this role? Um, I, I'm and, guessing uh, it was just because she was one of the highest grossing brown-skinned people, even though she plays green or blue, depending on which <laughs> movie she's in. I mean, they just were like, oh, we need a colored actress. Hey, Zoe Saldana is a color. Like, we'll, we'll get her. Is that what happened? Yeah, I, I'm, that's exactly what I mean. Like, what on earth? I, I do have to say again, though, because I feel like I'm being mean to her. The movie that's Infinitely the Polar Bear was really yes. good. And I, yes. <laughs> and that um, is, that's why this is so difficult, because I don't mean to demean her. And I don't mean to put her down. And in fact, you know, um, Lisa Simone Kelly, Nina Simone's daughter, came out and said, stop being so hard on her. Uh, you just have to know that the whole film is all screwed up and is full of lies. And, you know, yeah, like her part as a in blackface is part of the difficulty. <laughs> but the whole thing is basically, a, I, I think I'm being in the FCC, the, in S show, as, as we would say, if I were being bleached out. <laughs> So here's the thing. This is where I was when I first heard that she was cast. I thought, okay, that's wrong. Like, there are definitely African-American women actresses who have a similar skin tone that could play that part. Viola Davis, hello, amazing. Yeah, Audrey McDonald. Uzo, I don't know how to say her last name, but... Yeah, like, I mean, there are people, right? And then, oh, my God, after I saw Eclipse this weekend. So I saw it on Saturday. It opened last night. This is the uh, oh, show yeah. now on Broadway. Lapita mm-hmm. starring, and it's about uh, women in Liberia who have become 
sex slaves to the commander uh, who's a rebel fighter. And I, it just blew my head away to see these amazing five African-American brown-skinned <laughs> actresses on the Broadway stage uh, killing it. It was amazing and thinking, wow, can you imagine if all of these amazingly talented actresses got as many opportunities in film as their talent deserved? Like, Then what would the Oscars look like? Yes. Which is not to say that Zoe's not that talented, but so I said, okay, look, maybe Hollywood is saying, yeah, she's bankable, you know, she is of color, let's let her do the show, right? But yeah. Why, why the blackface and why the nose? You know, right, you, like if you need those things, then I think that's an indication that your decision was off a little bit. Right. But I don't, I mean, this is so complex because is acting about looking like someone? Was, you know, Denzel not a good Malcolm X because he was darker than Malcolm X? Well, now here's something also. I, I was not a big fan of that casting, but I was even less of a fan when, um, and now his name has gone out of my head, the main, the other main fellow, he played MLK in a film that was on HBO. What is his name? Oh, my God. His name went right um, out of my head. Uh, not the guy who played MLK most recently, who's also in the Nina Simone movie, David. Oh, that's Oyelowo. right. No, not not David. The the fellow who, who did, he's in the, the medical drama right now. What is his name? On television? It's on Showtime or HBO. He's on the, the cut or the quit. Never mind. Anyway, okay. but he's a light-skinned guy, and I thought, well, that's, that's a weird thing, but it was kind of his moment, and so they decided to cast him. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have difficulty with that just because there are so few opportunities for people of color, and there exactly. are lots of great actors, so why not just try to get it right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I just have a hard time believing that Zoe Saldana is the very best embodiment of Nina Simone. I just have a really hard time believing that, and I think that it has something to do with, as you just said in the beginning, Nina Simone was all about fighting past that discrimination Yes, and being awesome anyway. And I yes. would rather see someone who knows that and is just that much closer to having had that experience and doesn't have to work so hard to find it by putting on darker makeup and a nose that looks more black so that perhaps when she goes out, she gets to feel how people respond to someone like that. And I know that's not how it works in the movies. You, like, take that off. So I can't <laughs> even use that as an excuse for why they had to use those things. Oh, my God. God, it's just unbelievable. And there's also a part of me that just wishes she hadn't accepted the role because, God damn it, oh, excuse me, there's no beeping out. Doesn't she know that there, aren't, um, that there aren't roles for darker women and, and that if she cared about Nina Simone's story and wants know, to respect the black community, like just, I mean, I would say Avatar probably made her a lot of money, so I don't think that she's going 
for this for a financial thing if she just wanted to like win an Oscar. Maybe she just thought it was the role of a lifetime. I don't know. As I'm sitting here thinking if somebody asked me to play somebody that I really well, I mean, admired you or say, something. You wouldn't say, oh, I get to play Nina Simone. We, I mean, would you no, take that role? No, I would not. I really wouldn't. Like, I might even have a hard time playing Ella Fitzgerald, and that's a little <laughs> bit closer to the reality. But I, I don't – no, I don't. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. So here, this is what India Ari said in a – I think it was in Us or People. India Ari, I think, has played Nina Simone in, in something, either on TV or in film, like as a small part. And she says, the way that – Saldana looked in the movie was ugly. I mean, and that's what was so interesting to me. It wasn't just that she has this prosthetic nose and the black face on, because I think that's all that's all we can call it, right? Like, you know, it is it is blackface <laughs> that she put on. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. And then Robin Seedy on the Nightly Show said the the real problem with it is this whole idea that she's she's recreated her face in this way through makeup and the prosthetic uh, as if she's making herself ugly to be like Charlize Theron in Monster so that she can win an Oscar. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I hope that's not true. You know what I mean? And then I saw the picture and I thought, she does not look as attractive as Nina Simone does. What's going on? See, it looks like, you know, I when I read about this, like, you know, I was like, ooh, that sounds a little off. But then I forgot about it. And then when I saw the poster or whatever, I just, I mean, it's it's like a joke. Yeah. It's not a I, joke. I, I confess, I have not seen a trailer, although I, I understand there is a trailer out there. I've only seen the photos that have been involved. And I, I just feel really uh, depressed by it. Now, you know, let me put an asterisk by all of this because when the movie, whatever it was called, this is what happens when you get older. You just don't remember the names of things. <laughs> but the one with Robert Downey Jr. who, and he wore blackface and he yeah. was the black guy in the film. So I yeah. denounced that as soon as I heard about it and, of course, did not see it in the theaters, didn't see it for maybe a couple of years later. Maybe I saw it on Netflix. And I thought it was hysterical and I thought he did a great job and there was meaning in the fact that he did blackface like you know it was a considered thought out and then well acted performance because it called out stereotypes and things but I I feel like I don't know if I'm going to get there with this film yeah I don't think you really need the asterisk I'm not going to take it away from you (laughs) who knows but I just have a feeling that we're kind of right, even though we don't really know how we feel exactly, other than something is <laughs> way off here. Well, but as an actor, like, yeah, former as actor, an actor, like, what did you, you know, because when I was in college, I was always so frustrated that I didn't get roles because I didn't look the part, also in high school, when this is all white areas, and always thinking, like, because of my biracialness, that if you went to my house, and look in the window when I'm having dinner at my dad's, I am a person of color with my white family. So to me, yes, I could seem out of place but not be, and I wanted more reflection of that, and the best person for the role should get it. And non-traditional casting was really an exciting idea to me at the time because this was like 20 years ago. 
And now I feel like I'm being hypocritical in saying they should have gotten someone who looks more like Nina Simone. Yeah. I was Okay, so then I read uh, Judd Apatow tweeted, I think all actors should only be allowed to play themselves. It is offensive to pretend to be other people. <laughs> now, that, like, it feels like obviously he's missing lots of nuance in the conversation. But yeah, I can't a- handle that from a white man. And I mean, I can <laughs> handle it. I can handle it. But I can't, you know, just be like, oh, that's a great point. Yeah, because it, it misses out on a lot of nuance that's happening. But you're right. Like I, I do, I do support non-traditional casting. Except, I isn't the point of that to give the actor the opportunity to show the way in which their their actual specific body, colored or disabled or female or whatever it is, is still able to inhabit the character. And and I and maybe for me it really just is fundamentally the the makeup and the prosthetic nose that feels like like the cheat. It feels like yeah. you know the the gig is up. Now you've just shown that all you wanted to do was make a movie that made money or won awards, and you really had no concern for um, doing the work that made something honest and true. I feel like I'm being too harsh now. I hate that I just said that. No, no, I think that's really true because, well, to me it seems as though she couldn't use her body of some significant color to uh, inhabit the role, so they had to put something on top of it. Like, can you imagine, I, I I can imagine a world in which she had done this without all of that stuff. And in her performance, she was able to have the audience actually feel that she was having the, the same kind of experience that Nina Simone went through, being actually discriminated in that body. I mean, like this is kind of the mixed race person's conundrum, right? Like, we're constantly being asked, what are you? And our, our desperation is to, I shouldn't say desperation, we're not tragic. Like our, our mission, our vision, our hope is that we'll be, it, we'll be able to express the complication of what we are. And, and then the makeup and the prosthetic somehow feel like a cheat. It's like she's saying, okay, don't really believe what I'm, I'm giving out as the true story of Nina Simone. Just believe what you see. I don't know. I just, I think that it just takes away any, and we have to see it, I guess, to know, but it seems as though we all want to say, well, maybe she's really good. Maybe she really is the best. Maybe we'll be totally shocked. And maybe they just wanted people who don't know who Nina Simone is because they're young and don't care about things like that yet Mm -hmm. to understand that Nina Simone wasn't this light-skinned I think Zoe Saldana is very beautiful, so I'm going to say that. Maybe she's very beautiful, but, yeah. But I don't, I don't think that. I think that they use these things because the performance is not the best, and they need it. Oh, I hope that's not the case, Tiffany. I mean, Nina Simone oh. says she said, "I'm the kind of colored girl who looks like everything white people despise or have been taught to despise." That that's not Zoe Saldana's position no. in the world. So it's not. And how could she? I mean, man, you'd really have to 
she would, I would, but I, I don't know, have to do a lot of soul searching and stuff to to get to a place where I think I truly understood what that was. And I'm happy to hear myself be aware that I don't. I'm, right. you know, I'm a mixed person who it's, nobody often doesn't think I'm black and something else. So I could say, well, you know, nobody doesn't really think that I'm black very often. So I get it. I, I don't get it like that. There's a privilege that goes with the way that I look and the way that I was raised. And I would really have to step way outside of myself Yeah, to get to that point. It's, um, uh, I mean, the hard part is I don't want to denounce the performance, obviously, because I haven't seen it, but also I don't want to denounce her as, you know, not, I'm not trying to denounce her. I just, I just find this so complicated and I feel like there were better answers early on in the whole process and situation. <laughs> Did you read that Mary J. Blige was originally supposed to what? play this role that in this film? Fantastic. Well, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think that either because have you ever seen Mary J. Blige act and thought, wow, that was really... Well, no, I don't know that I've seen her act, but she can sing, and so that's why that's that was the reaction there. That you know she's actually yes, she a can singer sing. as well. But to me, like when she acts, she's a singer who is visibly now acting, and I don't really want to see that for mm-hmm. a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. I think that's really not what Nina Simone was about either. I think she was like real and authentic and awesome. So I I don't necessarily think that was. The, I just would love to talk to the producers and the director and just be like, what was your intent? What was your vision? And you made a bunch of people mad. (laughs) And maybe that was it. But I kind of don't think so because I think they might be a bunch of white people who maybe could have found themselves surprised by this. Right. And, and And maybe still don't even get it. Which is I I would bet press. not. Um, I don't because how could they? Even, yeah, you know. I mean, unless, well, Judd, Judd, Judd Apatow is not getting it apparently, but bless his heart. Right. <laughs> totally <laughs> not getting say. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I I still have lots of questions. I know I came out with some positions, but I'm I'm torn by this whole thing. I I want to be in support in totality, but we have to recognize that color and colorism and light skin privilege exists and images in the media do matter. And, you know, I, I'm just as upset when, like, on the Cosby show, I used to get mad that Lisa Bonet was supposed to be just African-American, right? Yes. I was like, that doesn't, it's not fair. Like, why isn't she saying the truth? Like, that's a lie. That's right. I, I kind of feel the same way about both It's of like erasing things. our, that was to me like erasing my true identity, right? If, if you're going to give me Lisa Bonet as a child of Bill Cosby and Felicia Rashad, then that's a clear indication that my, what I believe to be my identity just like holds no water. And I kind of think yeah. that you could say the same thing about this situation. I think that's what it is for me. It is, it's very similar. It's like Nina Simone has been erased. The, the essential 
piece of like her identity and and what she and what she stood for, not just even her experience, but you know her her like her voice. Like she, her voice has been erased by this new vision of her. It's very, very difficult for me. When does this movie come out? I mean, I don't even want to see it, but because we've had this conversation, I will. I know. I, I think I have to see it now. Uh, just maybe not on opening weekend. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people thinking they can just do this and, you know, be successful. <laughs> Well, let's figure it out and go together, and maybe we can get free tickets or something. <laughs> yes, free tickets and drinks. <laughs> yes, both. That would be awesome. <laughs> Timothy, it's so great to connect with you. Thanks for coming on the show and, and helping me think about this out loud. I, I know oh, we didn't come up with me. answers. We really didn't because there is no answer, and you know we should let ourselves off the hook for not being able to come up with one in this right. 15, 20, 30 minutes. Um, but thanks so much for having me on. Well, will you come on again? We have much more vexing questions, I'm sure, to talk yes. about in the coming weeks. So I will call on you again, and if you're free, I'd love to meet you on. <laughs> and let's get drinks. I'm going to text yes. you right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. I will talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. Thanks, Heidi. Bye. That is the amazing Tiffany Jones of Mulatto Diaries. Um yeah, okay. We don't know anything. We don't have any answers, but I just really need to talk that out with someone who I respect and, and also is in search of questions, which is always the best way to be, I think. All right, guys, that's the show today. I'm back again next week, uh, 5 o'clock Eastern, Monday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I hope you'll join me. Uh, as usual, if you have a chance, go to iTunes, write a review, say, hey, I like Heidi's show. That would be awesome. Uh, if you want to send me any questions or comments um, or accolades, that would be nice. You can send them to Heidi at HeidiWDuro.com or tweet me at HeidiDuro. And remember that thing I mentioned about the festival? I really would love if you would donate. Dude, like seriously, if you donated $5, what it says is, this is an important thing. I think a place and a home for stories of the mixed experience are important. Uh, all the money goes directly into making it an amazing, amazing program and schedule and experience. Uh, none of us get paid, and you get wine and cheese and cake and goodness. And I, I hope you'll donate, www.mixremix.org. Thank you for joining me. I'm Heidi Durow. This is The Mixed Experience, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.